0: Scott and Toby in the evening, nights. Hello everyone, welcome to the Socially Intoxicated Awareness Podcast. Today
1: we'll be joining with our ASMR episode.
0: So the real issue is we are in person for the first time recording this podcast and we're having trouble um, in some way filming this in the same room with the sound quality being good. Uh, Hence the awkward muting back and forth. Um, Happy New Year, everyone. It's the first episode in 2021 and uh, let's hope that this year uh, can only really be better than last year. So let's forget last year and focus on the... Opportunities in the future. Look at you mispronouncing opportunities. I don't know what happened there.
2: I was just trying to come up with a random bullshit as we go on. Uh, I hope everyone as well to our ten listeners um, that we currently have. I hope everyone got into the new year very quickly and very easily without major incidents. I hope everyone's families safe, and I hope that we're able to celebrate this January for what it is, which is the start of once again, something new.
0: Absolutely. What was uh, very funny to me, the one thing I, uh, I really uh, observed this, this new year's was, uh, there was a ban of fireworks or at least for sale, you weren't allowed to sell any fireworks or buy any in Germany, uh, for this period, which usually is the case. However, you were allowed to use whatever you had left from last year or, um, However, so people were still using fireworks, but way less than, uh, than usual. And <laughs> at, at midnight, though, it seemed like the whole neighborhood pulled out all of their fireworks and, um, well, let loose, thinking, oh, I won't be seen, it's fine. Every dad in, the, in, in Germany kind of said, oh, I have one rocket left, it'll be fine, honey, I'll send it up, and that, that kind of seemed, to, so there was a lot of fireworks to still enjoy. Well, it's sort of like a Greek subversion tactic, you know. It's if no one
1: puts any fireworks on and then there's just this one dad, He, they, they would immediately pull attention towards them. But if everyone puts up fireworks at the same time, you have a smoke screen and the screen of firework explosions where you can't be tracked down. So, you know, they were helping each other.
0: Absolutely. Fully agree. Fully agree. Um, yeah, so uh, news on our side anyone is actually interested in our lives, but we were able to have a semi-social weekend. Um, I moved this weekend uh, to Aachen and, uh, with my girlfriend and Toby helped us set up. So the three of us uh, had a really fun weekend hanging out and uh, filling in the place. Thanks a lot for your help, Toby. Really enjoyed that. Oh, uh, that's okay.
1: It wasn't that much work. It was more work to get you settled into Maastricht all these years ago. No, but it was nice, you know, with uh, the regulations in place as they are, you're allowed to be five people from two different households. It's it's rare that you get to do something like this. So uh, thoroughly enjoying it, you know, some semblance of former social life coming back up, but uh, I'm preparing for it to go back down again. I'm going back to study now and, yeah, I'm not sure how much of it will be in person, how much social contact there will be, which is probably good, right? They're rolling out the vaccinations. There's talk of a medication coming in, hopefully, Hopefully we'll be able to leave this behind us at the same time. If there was ever a time to be careful, it's now with the new variant coming in from Britain and from South Africa and all these places, uh, which is apparently a lot more infectious or a lot more readily infectious. Um, Yeah. Let's just hope to, uh,
2: yeah, let's just be careful, hope, and, uh, yeah.
0: Great. Um So that was a mouthful to answer to. I think i'm going to start by uh talking about actually socializing this weekend uh what was to add to your point about being really rare um, in terms of the social life we all have um people at risk in our in our near vicinity the all the people that hung out with us this weekend the three people in total uh and we all got tested right before the holidays, so we were still safe coming out of the holidays and only having spent it isolated with our families. So it was really nice to have the actual uh, community uh, feeling. And we don't have a um, proper table in the in the kitchen yet, so we sat on a camping like a bunch of camping chairs and a camping table and had breakfast together. That felt amazing to do that hungover for the first time together in a really long time.
2: yeah speaking of hangover fucking no. hell. <laughs>
1: uh no it's good times you know I, I do like the aesthetic because the the flat is very nice and it's much more spacious than what we're both used to uh, from living outside of home and just like being able to fill it with you know some like some of that youthful fuck up that we all love and experience is very nice you know it's uh it feels you. You were telling me yesterday how you feel more grown up, but at the same time, I do think this still
0: feels like you know, maintaining the roots of youth and all that sort of jazz. Oh, absolutely! I'm making a playhouse out of this. Like it's supposed to be grown y but um, no, not on my watch. Uh, I think we'll have many a fun weekend here in the future. Um, but to add to your second part of your long monologue earlier um, about safety and it going, you you mentioned the new. Um, mutation or the variant coming out of uh, Great Britain and South Africa, is that proven by now? Because it seemed to be more of a rumor based on higher number of cases, but have they actually done some research there and um, come out with a a final statement on it? Uh, As far as I'm aware,
1: um, when this whole thing started with like incredibly heightened numbers in the UK, um, they were looking into it and they did find a genetically different uh, variant. Which, um, tracing it back through PCR test results, uh, I've heard, I'm not entirely sure, they were also able to track it to previously popping up back in uh, November. But they weren't accrediting it a lot of things then. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we talked about it a couple of episodes ago, right? A new variant and how it might work and how it might function with the vaccine and that sort of stuff. Um, Yeah, but as far as I'm aware, it is a proper new variant. It is is there. Um, But also, the safety precautions that we have should still be able to protect us from it. So um, all things considered, I don't think this is a huge influence on our lives as long as we maintain what we've been doing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, I hope we don't have to maintain that much longer. Um, Another interesting topic of debate related to that uh, that was ongoing because a friend of ours has the chance to um, to get the vaccination in a week or so. Uh, I think, yeah, this coming week. And the, the the question was, in the next few years, until Corona, the coronavirus is not threatening anymore. Toby, what are you waving around? Okay. Okay, I cut out, I'm sorry. I'm back. I was made aware I was gone. Um, oh, okay. I guess we'll see. This will be a nice awkward moment, unedited, hundred um, percent. Shout out to our film cut guy. We don't have one. Very, very the cheapest uh, option. Um, coming back to our friends who can get the vaccination in the next few years, where Corona still is a, a large and high threat, do we? Um, will we have uh, vaccinations be our path to freedom for things like concerts, going into pubs, etc.? That's a very intense debate and. We both, I think, agreed, yes, to some extent it will be for the next few years, if I recall correctly Or was that wrong?
2: What a place to leave me off on. Um,
1: Yeah, I think it will be. Um, We were discussing it yesterday about how if there's enough vaccinated people present at a certain event, you know, unvaccinated people could go there too. But then again, as a company or as whatever you're doing to organize like a concert or something. You cannot burden the responsibility of uh, a perchance not sterile uh, vaccination, which means you can't pass on the disease if you are infected without a, you know, but the vaccine then protects you. Um, you can't burden the responsibility of that potentially infecting non-infected people or non-vaccinated people. So, yeah, we were both agreeing, I think, on that. While it's not nice to have a society that might be separated in that sense it will likely be that way that getting vaccinated will allow you at least some sort of uh, general freedoms that non-vaccinated people will not have I think in the beginning where we start to vaccinate risk groups first and um, uh, primary care personnel I don't think then it'll be that it'll not be that yeah, exuberant then but as soon as we enter I think in Germany it's like phase four or five where Um, we start vaccinating people around the age of 50, these sort of things, um, then it'll become a lot more prominent. And definitely once it enters like a phase where the risk groups are largely vaccinated, um, at that point when it starts going into more of a general availability, we will, we are potentially run the risk of becoming like a two, like
0: a two-class society in that sense. Uh, Well, the big issue is that um, this is the first or not the first time, but it sets precedent for future use of like authoritarian rulings where you can, I mean, you can make a, a, a suggestion or, or some form of law as the government, but private businesses can still do as they wish unless the government tells them not to, or there's, there's a punishment for acting such as racially biased hires or something like that. Um, but if you allow those kind of things to go on, it, could go worse and the consolation the compromise obviously with a lot of people would be oh why don't we just provide a certain amount of uh, negative tests etc to to prove we're we're fine and can participate in this uh, event but it doesn't guarantee anything because i mean with the vaccine it doesn't either but with the test it could actually lead to um, casualties plus there's that systematic question where do you really want to Set precedent of that kind of like limiting human rights to certain vaccinations.
1: I mean the same way how you know having to wear a mask is not a limitation of your human rights. I don't think I don't think not being vaccinated will affect your human rights. You know you might have to be a bit more careful in going outside, but that's right now that's what you're doing right now. Like the implementations we have in especially in Germany and the Netherlands or. In most of Europe, this is not a dictatorship. This is not an infringement upon your human rights. This is just trying to act in a healthy way, trying to protect the population in general, right? This isn't, while I could see the point of like, yeah, it might pave the ways for something authoritarian. uh, On the other hand, I I have, interestingly, I have trust in the government here um, that it won't be used that way. I think this is a health crisis and it'll stay as one. Um, rather than an issue of of humanitarian or human rights things, right? Um, if we if we engage in the thought that oh this could be used to like generate something that really infringes on human rights, what kind of path are we going down? I think there will just be a part of the population that might be a bit more able to participate in certain th- certain things, and a part of the population that will need to be more careful around what they do and where they go, right? But we have we had an opening of of you know local economy with like restaurants and that sort of stuff during the pandemic or during the the last few months where we saw okay um, if everyone involved is careful if we have the precautions then we just do it and I think even with vaccinated people we will still maintain the precautions and if we do that it should also allow unvaccinated people um, to fully live their life to the fullest extent. The exceptions might be things like festivals which is what we were talking about yesterday right and then I think it's much more likely for the festivals to just not happen than for them to only admit vaccinated people. And even then, I don't think it's an infringement upon the unvaccinated people's human rights if some sort
0: of ruling is made that you have to show uh, proof of vaccination before you go. Okay, that's a lot to answer to. First, I didn't call the government authoritarian. I said these kind of um, blank or like these generalized even due to health crisis things, like I agree with the with the policy set into place, but they are somewhat authoritarian. They're not very democratic in that sense, or not maybe democratic, that's the wrong word, because it is the representatives that chose it, but um, it does take away freedom from people, freedom of choice, freedom of a lot of um, various options that you are used to having in your day-to-day life, and in. An, I would say, in in a semantic way, it does somehow belong to the human rights kind of part. That's why I framed it that way. But it is a harsh way to call it that. But I think it does qualify for it. And it's and in terms of, um, I don't trust the government. I'm not coming from that aspect. I'm saying, in the future, if something like this is this is suggested, people will be less shocked when they hear it. So, like, we don't agree with anything that Trump's done, but if we hear a Muslim ban into the U.S. in two years. We will be less shocked than we were two or three years ago when he first put it into place. So it, it's a, it's a, like kind of getting used to these crazy things. And in the future, when they come along, we'll be less, um, we'll be less pushed towards. Def- or we might be less motivated to defend it because we're more used to that kind of bullshit. And that's the kind of danger that I foresee with this. So. I mostly agree with you and I think everything will open up again. That's the good thing. It's only for a few years because I trust the government as well. But it sets a dangerous precedent and that can't be ignored.
1: So what would you suggest to happen instead? Um, do you, would you suggest to prohibit this? So close everything for everyone or open everything for
0: everyone? Or is the danger of setting this precedent something we should just accept? It's always easier to complain than to come up with a solution. <laughs> that's usually the thing. And I would agree with what's going on. And I agree with um, trusting the government and putting these plans into place for a few years. But it does, you have to point out the dangerous precedent. Like, I actually fully agree with it, which goes against everything I've just said. But I, that's how high the risk is. And you can't live without the economy that long. It's impossible, like no no government can continuously pay out money. If they do it like Germany, or um, I think France is fairly high up, Norway, they almost pay 100% of the people's wages that are out of work right now, or close to something like 85 or over. That's well done, but you can't, that's not sustainable over um, that many years. So it, you have to somehow open the economy. It's more important than people's short-term freedoms,
2: sadly. I mean, there's a big debate to be had there about short-term versus
1: long-term freedoms, right? And what do we accept in, our, in the implementation of our short-term freedoms um, when they are in favor of our long-term treatments? <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just see Scott using this opportunity where I'm beginning to monologue again to quickly run to the fridge and grab more beer, which is much more fun to live commentate on and actually follow this line of conversation. that much further. So he's closing the fridge now, trying to be really quiet. Dear listeners, if you heard anything there, please inform me. Oh, there's the beer coming in now. Oh, why would you put it on the floor? Uh, let me know if you heard that. <laughs> uh, it is interesting to be back. Yeah, fucking fuck off. Ay, ay, ay. And he leaves the two bottle caps right next to me. In an act of complete and utter indignation. This is the man who called our government authoritarian. This is the man who's calling for a dictatorship. To be overthrown in a
0: bloody revolution. I didn't hear a word you said. I was getting beer. You heard me. (laughs) Mm. Okay, so did you? I I missed what you were comment on from what I said.
1: Uh, Look, honestly, oh, someone's in trouble. Uh, Look, uh, I'm fed up with this line of topic. I'm too hungover for it. People can watch the news. You know, you're interested in this. Be skeptical. Uh, Read the scientific literature. Watch the news. You're good. Don't listen to us. Yeah, we're no authority. Um, Let's talk about something fun instead. Good. So we discovered this video game called Duck Game, which is fucking amazing. It's essentially you're on a Mario 2D uh, stage and then you have guns lying around, you're little ducks, right? You're little rubber ducks and you run around and you try to kill each other. It's super short-lived, it's super short-term fun, Uh, we've been playing it the past two evenings and uh, I gotta admit, I'm fucking slapping, destroying everyone I play against, left and right, no one can stand before me.
0: You've only played against me. And Yana. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that game is hilarious. Uh, I love... It's it's simple. The best part is that you your duck, you can change the hat it wears. So you can disguise your duck as a log or a person or a, a, a car or really a burger, anything. And uh, it, it adds a lot of fun and personality to the game. While it's super simple, it feels like an arcade game from the 80s almost. And like one of those... Uh, cafes or something
2: yeah it's almost like an arcade game and i don't know it's you know it's a very
1: easy game to play it's a very easy game to get good at um but you know we will run into things where we like start having encounters and we're like both strategizing and you can really tell and we'll just both have like a really fun moment of like trying to outsmart each other and just so much fun
0: especially with the weapons that they give you you have to completely change your little strategy that you've thought up for the game so the way the game works is uh whoever you play against if you're doing it multiplayer it's first to 10 or 15 or 20 wins and uh so each game is very short-lived and lasts probably on average not even a minute uh minute is actually really long i think um and there's all these different kinds of weapons from rocket launchers to landmines to nets that you can shoot to trap the other one uh it's Done in a very cartoony way, almost um, Looney Tune esque, and uh, very enjoyable.
2: Oh, it is. It it has a certain charm in that like
1: um, cartoon logic. You know, there's a I think it was Roger Rabbit, um, who in one of the movies he was in uh, yeah, that, that was portrayed about him, um, set this like rule of comedy, which is anything can happen, anything's game, right? When you're telling a comedic story whatever you need to happen can happen, but the only rule is it has to be funny. Um, So the scene I'm talking about is great because he's locked into uh, handcuffs with this other guy he's with. And um, he's trying to teach the other guy who has um, access to a lockpick how to open up the handcuffs or whatever. And he's trying to do it and the other guy doesn't get it. So Roger Rabbit takes his arms out of the handcuffs and shows it to him, like in person. Then he puts his hands back into the handcuffs and the other guy goes, if you can do that, just, just free us. And he's like, no, I can't. And he's like, why? Well, because it's not funny. And that to me is really the essence of what like comedic writing is about, you know, because it's do whatever you must, right? There are no rules, but it has to be funny. And it's great because as soon as you start, as soon as you try to do it for like plot reasons, for like reasons that matter, it's not, it doesn't work anymore because it's not funny anymore. It can only happen when it's funny.
0: I, I love that what is funny how do you define funny it's it's immeasurable it's just something it's dependent on the delivery uh whatever it's about and that's true it has to be funny like uh i don't know my mom for example she doesn't like dark humor where it's about you know often race stereotypes or whatever um of all kinds of religious stereotypes or just general country stereotypes um she doesn't like him, but if the joke is funny, there's some that are you know, funny if you know your crowd and you know that you're not, you know who, you know that the crowd knows your intention behind the delivery of a joke and uh, they're not going to be insulted. If it's funny, she laughs and uh, it just has to be funny. That's what's really important. Do you want to name your funniest joke? Uh,
2: no offense, I don't think I could. Um, I find uh, to to hit the matter of what you were saying. Like
1: I, I find myself enjoying situational comedy so much more. It's got to do. We were talking about it yesterday. It's got to do with playing D anD. d You know, with playing like almost because which is very based in like improv comedy, these sort of things. It's sort of based in there, right? It's the the humor of a joke of a line delivered in a context only you can understand in that particular moment. In my opinion, is so much superior to uh, a joke that can be written and understood. But you know, the, the idea of a joke is you create a context in which something is funny, but it's often quite close, uh, quite short-lived. If if I were to tell you, maybe the the joke that is the most representative of what I'm trying to say, I'd ha- I'd, it's a long joke. I can tell it. Um, it's so um, two people, freshly married. Let's call them uh, Roger and Jamie, um, are on their honeymoon in uh, Moscow um, and it's a cold day they're on their honeymoon they're walking through the streets holding hands and um, they uh, th- there's a bit of perspiration coming down you know it's, it's something's coming down and they're wearing these big coats and they're wearing these hats and they go and uh, Jamie goes uh, oh Roger oh Roger look it's um it's snowing and Roger goes "Ah, honey no it's not snowing it's raining And uh, Jamie goes, no, 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 Roger, it's definitely snowing. Look, we're we're all bunched up, you know, we've got gloves on, it's snowing. It's really cold. Of course it'd be snowing. Roger goes, "Uh, well, how about we ask that um, communist police officer over there? And they go up to this officer uh, wearing this, like, big, this was doing the Cold War, wearing this, like, big, uh, uh, like, uniform coat, like, this, like, emblematic hat and, um, you know, really standing tall against the cold. And they go up to him and they go, ah, nice to meet you. We're, Roger, this is Jamie. Um, what's your name? And the, the police officer goes, my name is Rudolph. And they go, um, oh, okay, well lovely to meet you, Mr. Rudolph. Lovely to meet you, Officer Rudolph. Look, uh, we were just hoping you could clear something up for us, which is um, do you think it's raining or snowing? And the um, uh, this communist police officer goes, no, it is quite clearly raining. And uh, Roger turns to Jamie and says, see, honey, Rudolph the Red knows reindeer. And I know that joke is terrible, but if you commit to the context of it, I think it's the funniest fucking
0: thing in the world. It's an amazing joke. It's a great joke. The long buildup for that sentence. You don't expect it. The the sad thing is that joke is a week late. You should have said it last week. (laughs) It was snowing yesterday. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, good joke. Good joke. Uh, Some jokes that I love, I agree with you, situational uh, or situation comedy is hilarious, and it's really hard to explain to someone else because it's not funny to them if you're not there, really. Um, But unfunny jokes are also very funny. Um, Like, it's more to test people's gullibility, but those are some that I also very much enjoy, and I think they end up in situational comedy because it very much depends on the
2: person's reaction. I hadn't realized you were finished that. Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: you know, if we don't accept the fact that part of comedy and part of being funny is the audience, then, you know, in my opinion, we're doing something right, right. There is no such thing as official or uh, objective, objectively being funny. You know, you can be funny to the people you're talking to, but the audience and the the people who perceive you are as involved in the comedy as you are because they are in a sense, you're judges, right? You can, be, you can tell a joke that is funny to one group and tell it to the other group and will fucking hate it. And uh, I mean, similarly to, I've been trying to establish the drinking game we play, which is called Oleg, uh, with like my, my friend group from, uh, from uni and they don't like it, but the, the group I, uh, I went to high school with, they, they love it. We play it all the time and, you know, it's just, you can have something you find objectively great and other people might disagree and that's part of
0: the beauty of it. That's a great, Segue to the next topic. Let's introduce our listeners to Oleg, an amazing drinking game that you can play with, if you're suicidal, two people, or three, three plus people, uh, and as many people as you want. It's a very simple game that involves two dice. We practically invented it almost. Uh, One of our best friends uh, from high school, he introduced it to us when we met, and uh, since we've been going to bars, that's all we really played with however many people were there. Sometimes it was 12 people and it was still one drinking game that was sufficient for everyone. Uh, It involves the number seven. And uh, as said, the name is Oleg. So when you roll a seven or whoever rolls a seven, it's a race, whoever says Oleg first. And man, how do you describe this sign, this hand sign in, uh, in words, basically you do it. Yeah. What, how would, you know when a surfer kind of goes, "That's really gnarly, dude," and it has his thumb and his pinky. It's it's that sign. You got to put your thumb to your forehead, and say "Oleg." That's the real quick rule. And uh, there's a couple. There's a lot of others. Pretty much every dice number is uh, is a different rule, but it's a very fun game to play. Toby, what are the other rules? So
2: you have sandwiches, Oleg. Then the next big set of rules revolves
1: around the number ten, which is if the the two dice show a total of ten, you drink, uh, you have a drink yourself, right? Eleven is to the right, nine is to the left. So the person sitting in the circle, or whatever, um, to your right or to your left on number eleven or nine have to drink. Um, then the next set of rules is regarding when both uh, dice show the uh, when both dice show the same the same number.
2: I guess what's it called in German? It's a Pash. I don't know how to translate
0: it. Two of a kind. I think it's called. Yeah. Anyway, so when there's two of a kind, uh, if it's one through six, whatever, you get to distribute that amount of drinks uh, around the table, regardless in what quantities. Just in total, it has to be the the number of. Uh, the two-of-a-kind that you rolled, meaning if you get two sixes, you get to distribute six drinks or six sips or whatever you're doing, six shots. Um, if you get a one, two ones, if you roll two ones, which is the two-of-a-kind of a one, well, that was a great explanation. Uh, the Olek god will be um, quite mad and angry and hurt that you didn't drink it yourself because you were such a coward hence bad karma for the rest of the game. So it is strongly advised that you drink that sip yourself and don't distribute it, because then something like jail could happen.
2: That's your key, Toby. Ah, uh, Jail, the reason why I'm playing this game with two people is
1: hangover inducing. So on a one and a two, um, so a total of three on both dice, you enter something called jail which is really easy very simply anytime a three is shown on the dice so either total or on either or you take uh, you drink so this rapidly increases the amount of drinks you have to take and the only way to get out of it is to roll another one another and another two so there is a chance to get out we've seen it happen like people rolling themselves in and out and in and out um, but in general you will be drinking a lot more. And especially if you're only two people, the other two-of-a-kind rules will most, almost exclusively be pushed towards you, uh, which will then incrementally just begin to destroy you if you're uh, in prison, especially on a pair of twos. So on a two-of-a-kind with threes. What did I say before? The wrong one
0: so i think the final rule that's missing is if you roll a four regardless of how the four is if it's two twos a three and a one doesn't matter um or four and a zero haha uh then that means you can create a new rule that you only consistently have one extra rule in the game and whichever four is rolled that always replaces the old rule um you can think of any rule there it just can't change all the things we just mentioned so it can be adding to it it can double it but it can't like you can't really get rid of them or change them in a the way that they would uh somehow affect uh who gets uh, which punishments you can add punishments however um and what makes the game real great is if you've rolled any of the numbers we've just mentioned you get to roll again and you continue to roll until you do not roll one of those numbers yeah hopefully we uh, someone wrote this down
2: while listening Uh, if you haven't written this down i think you know i don't know how
1: many of the 10 listeners we have um actually are people who we don't know in person but you know maybe if this thing ever blows up that'd be a fun thing to do you know online engage with people who listen to us just by playing oleg with them on fucking zoom (laughs) i think that'd be great and if you know us
2: you know where to find us we can always play i would be very 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 much down Ah, uh, all right. Wait, it's not letting me. Oh, there we go. Yeah, excuses for the.
1: I cut out. <laughs> so I guess that was a long and uncomfortable silence. Yeah, excuses for cutting out. I uh, excuses for not talking. I cut out. I was just trying to start talking.
0: Um, I think you spent more time apologizing for the awkward silence than. Um, the awkward silence was long.
1: Hey, man, I'm socially intoxicated and aware of it. So how about you, you know? Full circle, man. Full circle. All right, podcast's over. We're done. <laughs> this is all we wanted to do. Mention it, the, mention it in the
2: sentence.
0: No, I think we have been going for uh, something like 40 minutes now. And we wanted to keep it chill. Um, Oh, maybe like a final topic. Are there any New Year's resolutions that you've set for yourself?
1: Wow, what a great topic, especially since yesterday in the car we talked about how I don't have any. Um, No, I have long ago stopped setting New Year's resolutions. Um, I am quite happy with most of the years that happened to me, uh, more by force of habit than by rationality. But I think I'm living a good life. I I think I can be quite happy and I just, yeah, want to be able to be happy and make the people I love happy and be happy with other people. And if I can do that, then I don't need any resolutions.
0: That's good shit. I'm going to take six weeks off drinking. That's the one personal thing I'm going to set me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, there we go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's one thing I'm going to do. Um the rest I fully agree with you. I guess we always end our podcast on sentimental tones, but that's nice because whoever's listening to this falling asleep. Um which I wouldn't it's probably really creepy, but uh I hope this year will bring everybody what they deserve and um everything can only be better than what it was next year as I said at the start of the podcast. Um so intoxicate yourselves to enjoy the ride, but be you know, social and aware of all, everyone and everything that's going on around you. Respect each other. And then I think we're going to be just fine, regardless of what comes our way.
1: Uh, read the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson, strength before weakness, death
2: before dishonor. Also, don't forget to love each other. Also, shout out to Pascal Shu the next big German director. You will hear from
1: him.
0: You have no choice. We should um, announce this right here. Pascal Schu is uh, going to be the next German to win a Grammy. I'm putting money on it. Not a Grammy,
2: an Oscar. They're going to have a new academy for him. It's going to be called the Grosker. The word
0: for the best um, breathing. Um, okay, well, podcast over. Or do you still want to say something?
2: Uh, I sort of shouted the thing I wanted to say in earlier. So how about you just cut it here, and then we can pretend like this.